window in a time of films an amazing time of films it meant good things so Hawkman, you were talking about the director earlier what do you want to say about him oh yeah the uh director uh let me uh get his name correct. mike gornick yeah mike gornick he was actually the uh, which is kind of cool he was the cinematographer on the first creep show and yeah. he was also the cinematographer for uh, Day of the Dead, which yeah. was which is really cool, and he also was an associate producer on the Stan miniseries and the Langoliers miniseries. Mm-hmm. So, so that this, guy is just yeah, this guy is Stephen King like through and through. He's had connections with him for a very long time, and he's a very good filmmaker, no doubt about it. Yeah, King himself was actually pretty hands off with this one. Like he wrote the story. And then he just handed it off to Ramiro to actually process the screenplay and let him direct it and everything. King was actually like, he's just like, yep, have fun with that and fuck and off and do Tom something Savini. else. He kind of gave yeah. him like an outline for it and then... That was it, yeah. That was that was it. He, he let George run wild with this one. That's probably why I love it even more. <laughs> I absolutely love this candy makeup on Tom Savini, Tom Savini. As, oh, the, yeah. as, the, as the creeper. Seems originally supposed or the creeper esque type of character. Yeah, you're supposed to play to be played. And here's by the animation by Rick Cadison. I love this. I love this fucking movie. I mean, I love everything about it. Yeah, no, Billy, this is definitely your wet dream. Like hands down. Like as far as like a, a, a behind the camera crew, this is like yeah. This is this is like one of the as far as the '80s go, it's the best of the best. <laughs> I mean, can be what they did with this movie with the makeup effects. As far as I'm concerned, it's flawless. Um, I this is just one of those movies, in my opinion, of growing up. I consider probably one of the best horror movies ever, and that is a list, and it's not just one. But this is, I think, from a makeup effects standpoint, um, extremely highly regarded in the genre. Yeah, and I gotta say, I really love the um, the animation sequence. Which is right now, you know, went from the live action into you know what they're doing now with uh, the uh, credits and all that, and it's it really kind of like makes you feel like a comic book coming to life. It does, and plus, Rick Hadison also did animation for Evil Dead too. Um, he also did uh, the stop motion hand, and um, you know, is based out of Pittsburgh, out of Pittsburgh as well. John Harrison's score is really great, too. John Harrison of the band, yes. We cannot forget that part. I still love yes. The greatest keyboardist on the face of the fucking planet. Period. Don't care what anyone says. That guy is amazing. Better better than Carpenter? 
Owner yes. of the Lonely Yes! Way better than Carpenter. Have you Uh-oh. ever heard Yes, Matthew? Holy Dude. shit! <laughs> I got a Yes album, actually, yeah. They're, they're fucking incredible. Yeah. They're Uh-oh. incredible. I'm a big prog rock fan. I, outside of metal, I'm huge on prog rock, so... Yeah, I'm a music nerd. Yeah. What do you think of the crash test dummies? What, what a question. They got a lot of skill. <laughs> <laughs> they take your beating and keep on ticking. That too. Yeah. Rick Wakeman, there you go. Yeah, man. It's a great cast in this film. I mean, and a lot of regulars from, you know, the Romero, you know, crew as well. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's, uh, so I think that we're. I think that this one is so beloved because uh, I remember this one being on TV a lot. Does anybody remember seeing this on TV a lot? I think first first time I ever saw it, I caught it on TV. Yeah, I think that's kind of you, you got to kind of give a little nod to the success of a lot of people knowing this one. You know, this is one of those ones. If you're talking to somebody who's typically not a horror fan, and they start explaining the plot to you, you can go, "Oh, well, that's Creep Show too." You know what I mean? Yeah. The raft is big, and <laughs> Hitchhiker is a huge one. I'm a big fan of the Hitchhiker. I yeah. think Thanks I think that's the ride, the, to me that's that's my favorite of this whole sequence, this whole thing. Creepy. Ooh, the creepy. I like how the animation is. It's not on the head. It's almost like a Ralph Bashke esque. Yeah, I was and, thinking the exact same thing. Very Ralph. Um, but yeah, Rick, uh, he also had an apartment open up with the Tom Savini program a few years ago where he became more working on the digital side and the animation side, which was interesting. I just graduated the school by then, but yeah, Rick had an affiliation with the, the Tom Savini program. Very cool. Nice. I'm Rolling easy. into town. I love this, the look of this, the dryness, um, you know, there's a warmth to it. Um, George Kennedy, Kennedy, you know. And Dorothy L'Amour, who died right after this was finished, I believe, his wife in this, in real life. Not shotgun down, but in real life. Not too far off, not too far off. I should like maybe she was shotgun down in real life, bad drug deal or something like that. I should have checked it out. Well, you know, it's, we're still in the eighties. So, you know, it's hot for that cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Close to Florida, do a lot of cocaine. Chief, I guess, I gotta say, I love George Kennedy. Um, uh, one of my favorite movies, which I don't know any of you guys know, uh, is a uh, movie charade stars. Uh, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, and George Kennedy plays uh, a a despicable guy with a hook for a hand. <laughs> he is awesome in it. It's it's great, great. He's, he's misunderstood yeah. because if you had a hook for a hand, you'd be fucking miserable too. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know about that. With a hook with a hand, it's great for scratching your back. You know, mm. get to the hard reach places. You just have to pop it up, and then you can. You know, just get to those you know little areas to scratch. However, Alex, yeah, <clears throat> being if it was the dominant hand, that is the most dangerous game of roulette you can ever play to masturbate. <laughs> yes. Ooh, and scratch yes, your balls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, cause you know, like everybody knows, if you use your off hand, it just feels weird. So. Yeah. 
So you guys call it the stranger? No, well, you put it on a stranger when you put it on the ribbed object for a long time, and basically it changes the texture of your hand. Or if you you sit on it and make it numb, so it doesn't matter what we're doing it. I always heard the numb thing, Bill. You always bring the most colorful things to the show. (laughs) I've always heard the numb hand thing, yeah. So you see, you you come to the Dead Kids of Dairy to find out how to masturbate correctly. What did you say, Bill? You put it on the ridge? You you put it on something ridged? Yeah. Like you can feel like those, someone like, else's hand. That are like metal, and you put your hand on it, and then you're, you get little bumps so you get, like, on your the hand. Ribbed, ribbed or you could, pleasure. Or hand. you could do both and get <laughs> real. Yeah, if you do, you do both. You're probably going to go to a different parallel. Not know, much. Or, just or go find the real thing. I'm now beamed to a dimension. Yeah. Beamed to a dimension. <laughs> Dorothy Lamour. Yeah, George Kennedy is very grandfatherly. I didn't like oh. him in the Naked Gun movies, but I really liked him in this a lot. It's a very different part. It's a very different part. Yeah. From from what he did in the Naked Gun, you know what I mean? He's been in everything too. He's been He's yeah, he's a legend. Legendary rest in peace. Speaking of rest in peace, oh yeah. The the big guy Clue. Clue Gallagher today passed on. Yeah, very very sad. Very very unfortunate. We dedicate the episode to Clue. Here's to you, Clue. There you go. And in the perfect thing, we can say it, Jesse, because we have a Jesse. So, yes, Jesse. Jesse, damn it, Jesse. <laughs> I wish I knew quotes. I would, I would say quotes right now. <laughs> There's so many. I feel like Clue Gallagher is one of those guys that's like ultimately super quotable but you don't know it but most people unless you're a hyper horror nerd like me coin or matt or hawk or you know whoever would know who said it like they they see they hear the line and go oh yeah that's from return of the living dead but they don't know you know and they're like it was that guy they don't know it's cool gallagher but they know the line you know what I mean? yeah and i think return of the living dead is one of the most quotable movies <laughs> absolutely it really is yeah. it's not a bad question Bert. Yeah, that was sad. I know there was like a little death scare from like a couple of weeks or a month ago. I remember somebody said that he passed, you know, and that was sad <laughs> enough. Now the real deal comes to town. And he was, I would imagine, from what I heard, very active up, in, oh, yeah. up until the end. I mean, he walked everywhere from what I heard. Um, um, you yeah. know, when he lived in Hollywood, I don't think he traveled, but he walked everywhere and everyone always said he was in you know, great shape. And I mean, Return of Living Dead is great. I mean, I you know, remember him from some of the old Westerns, you know, the, the reruns on Naked Night. I always thought that he had an interesting look. And I just, you know, it's one of those things. You fall in love with the way someone looks. And, you know, it's like, who is that guy? And you realize he's done so many wonderful, you know, he's, he was a real actor. I mean, he had a, a great array, but the horror genre completely embraced him with Return of the Living Dead. Absolutely. Becoming the classic that it became. Closed out his career with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so that's not too shabby either. Heck yeah, not at all. Yeah, I and think he, I think he was one of those dudes that if like you lived in California, <clears throat> he'd always go to the cinema. So like if you went to go see a movie, you'd probably bump into him in the theater. Which is yeah, he was always going to Tarantino's theater at the time, the New Beverly or whatever it was. I mean, he would always walk. I mean, he would be in there for as many movies as he possibly could. He had a good that's relationship. Like that's how he got the, the movie in the role, dude. It's a lot of ticket sales he gave Tarantino, so he had to hook him up. Yeah. Cameo spot. 
a lot of power, but it, it, he runs, but Clue Gallagher, you know, it's, you know, good to bring him Cause I feel like he runs ca- career wise. He runs a lot of parallels with George Kennedy. Who, you know, I agree. Our current yeah. I mean, he's done more than horror. I mean, he's proved himself, not just as a wonderful actor, but even more as a character actor, because those are the actors that usually have more longevity than say, if you want to be, you know, a lead, because, you know, you can like, move past the prime, unfortunately, but when you're a great character actor and you're, and there's still a demand for what you can bring to the that, table. That's you know, the danger of being at the top of the pyramid, though. Like, you can be a power yeah. lead or whatever, but that's a fleeting thing, man. Your career isn't going to always be there, but those guys, like yeah. the Fred Willards, the Clue Gallagher's, the every, you know, George Kennedy. Robert the, Forrester's. Robert Forrester's. Those guys, they just pump the work out all the time, and they just consistently have work. They may not be the leading man, yeah, but they've always got a paycheck. And I oh, always I'll put uh, Joe Spinell in that category. Absolutely. Well. I would absolutely agree with that. Joe Spinell has one of the most interesting endings of all time. Bill, you might even have been the dude who told me that, how we like he had a fake, he had a head prop from Maniac. From, um, yeah, from Maniac. His, and he, unfortunately, when he passed away, he somehow he bled to death. Well, he was a, uh, what do you call it? A, a hemophilia. Yeah. And yeah. he basically, it seems like he was going to pass out. I think he knew possibly unfortunate. I mean, this is speculation from what I've been able to piece together. I'm not saying this is, this is what I've interpreted. He knew that he loved a good laugh. And he's like, you know, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to walk away from this one. And he just kind of drizzled everything all over the place. And when he passed away, he made sure he had the fake head from Maniac in his lap, which actually, when the police first came in, you know, and burst in, they were petrified. But, you know, that was kind of the humor that, you know, Joe had and how that was iterated on the Joe Spinell story. I thought that was extremely poignant. And I think that's what I want to believe, because that was... Well, that's a good one. I, I thought I heard the story was on his TV. So I think the dark sense of humor made him put a, a severed his head on the TV. Yeah, I, I think that's a what dark was, life yeah. is what he put, put the blood he put everywhere. Put his head on the TV. Yeah, suppose he <laughs> fell in the shower or something like that, supposedly, and like then he, you know, he went to, he like went to sleep after, which is never a good thing. I think he was yeah. he was speculating that he could have been uh, drinking, having a drink or two or something like that, but. Yeah, that's that was that, and then the head was kind of crazy. Back to Creep Show too, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so <laughs> that was an interesting segue. Okay, good. The, the nicest couple, I think. You really, you know, when they're, I think we can probably give some teasers, some spoilers, because you know everybody should know where this is going. That's watching. Is they're about to get dead? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind no. of dead kids. Yeah, they're about to go to dead kid world. You know what I mean? And they right don't here, say. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not, not Georgie, not Georgie Kennedy. <laughs> you know, George Kennedy is very. Have you uh, seen the Uninvited? What was it? The boat one? Is that what it's called? The Uninvited. Oh, that was a great, a great, great in Clark. Yeah, great in um, Clark. Yeah, and, and Clue Gulliger was in that too. Actually, that's and, why and, I wanted to bring it up, Bill. There you go. Wow, good stuff. Good. The stuff. connections. The connections. It in. all goes back to Clue, baby. I we actually, I own that red handkerchief. In George's pocket, I bought that on eBay for a lot of money. Did you? As much as Billy bought the Christine model there? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, Billy, I forgot about that Christine model. Oh, that was hysterical. 
I'll never forget about that. Oh, that was too. That was fucking funny. Man. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that somebody was online charging three thousand dollars for a heap of trash. Yeah. Right. Hey, hey! It makes a great centerpiece. You know, you put it there. Yeah, you put a little throw pillows, a nice potted plant, and and like, hey, it's Christine. I said it once, I'll say it again, Hawk. That was God's great mistake. That thing should never have existed. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, like, I like to do some hunting when, you know, it comes to, you know, gearing up for these episodes because sometimes you never know the crazy stuff you might find. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I was I was looking at I was looking up creep show true trivia like a mother son of a bitch. Then I ate like thirty eight pounds of food and I forgot everything that I read. (laughs) One thing I'll admit about this movie. This was probably one of the top 10 commentary tracks I would listen to over and over again. Oh, dude, yes. And yes. I love, I mean, Mike Gornick and I, um, I'm sure, I, I think Greg Nicotero was in there. Um, I always love it whenever Nicotero does a commentary track. I mean, another one that lists that he's also in is Evil Dead 2, um, which I think is a great commentary track. Very funny. But going back to Creep Show 2, um, you know, these movies were so effects heavy and I loved how companies like Anchor Bay would always, you know, have the appreciation of every aspect of filmmaking and really go to these big department heads to see if they were available. And I think that's why still to this day, I have a huge, great fondness for um, Michael Felcher, considering how he's still doing great bonus features. And, um, but yeah, this was one of those movies that I think if you had the Anchor Bay. I know it's it's a little bit Well, yeah, I think it's a little adjacent of Anchor Bay, but I really do think Anchor Bay was the precursor for like the boutique companies that we have now. Like they were, they were like the model for what became Arrow Video and Scream Factory and Synapse and like all those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, like the Anchor Bay special features on this DVD, the Evil Dead Two stuff they did. The Evil Dead One stuff they did were all fantastic, you know what I mean. And then somebody obviously paid attention to those and went, "Oh shit, people really like this stuff." And you know, boutique companies were born. And I think that's what's interesting is the growing horror fan in general is they're the people who you know will buy the movie to actually check out the movie themselves, and the people who grew up with this movie who know this movie, right. and they will buy it just for the bonus features. And some some of us buy three, eight, nine, ten, twelve, okay. thirty-seven copies of the same movie for the bonus features. <laughs> just hey, just saying. Uh, I not they, that I, I know that guy. I forget what they. What, what, what the hell did I just buy? Um, Chucky. Um, oh, the Child's Play, the the 4K trilogy. I, I, I didn't get like the top tier or anything. I did. I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling you would. No, but I was still able to get one with the toy for like one fifty. So you know, oh, yeah, yeah, all yeah, the yeah, mods, but that toy is fucking cool, and that's the whole reason I bought it. Yeah, and I'm, and I also bought it for the bonus features because there were never have been solid bonus features on either Child's Play two or Child's Play three. No, absolutely, I completely agree with you. Like. The package, it's the best package they've released since Friday the 13th box set, hands down. You guys, uh, you guys fans of Mindhunter? Yeah. So I learned something not too long ago that, um, was it Bill Tench from Mindhunter is actually this dude right here, Sam White Moon. Well, yeah. I believe it. He, uh, I, this guy went on to become. He a, did a bunch of stuff, but. Uh, I, a, pop, I, a pop, I think, on something recently. On that Mindhunter. 
Mine yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he's got you know, he, his hair's all cut short and stuff. You know what I mean? And he's I remember seeing him in Mindhunter and going, I know this dude's face from somewhere. Yeah, and dude. Wow. I've seen a meme floating around like a couple weeks ago that that it was like I was this this like today old when I learned this one of those memes and it was that fact and it fucking blew my mind apart. I was like, no shit. This wow. hair is going to get me. Now that I see it, now that, I, now, now that you pointed it out, man, holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a great line he has. Great. There's a lot of hot lines in this movie. We got a mucho ecological coming up, yeah. which is fucking, I want on my tombstone. It's, um, so I'll carve things. it in there for you, buddy. That's some fucking you know, Mark Twain like, shit right no. there. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. My favorite line is later when Stephen King starts talking. <sighs> Killing him he off. always has the best lines in his movies. He really fucking does. He does. <laughs> I, I like gotta it. say, I know ev- everyone likes to say how great Stan Lee and and he is for his cameos, but I think Stephen King is it can can give him a run for his money. Yeah. I think Stephen King actually beats him because, as much as I love Stan Lee. Stanley doesn't do much, never did much in his cameos. Like, it would be like a flash, and he'd be like on the screen, like, oh, hey. Like, like Stephen. Yeah. Stephen actually would act beyond saying, like, one line. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he would do, like, a full part. And well, look, I mean, usually look, look pretty the, good. Look at the priest. I mean, he plays some, you know, a whole gambit of characters, you know. Yeah. Well, My favorite, small. personally, is the graveyard caretaker and sleepwalkers, but. <laughs> Just because he made an actual whole character out of that, which I thought was awesome. I haven't seen that in so long. I need to revisit that. I forgot that was him. Yeah, he's like, oh, you guys, you better, you know, I'm not getting in trouble for this, guys. You guys, you son of a bitches. (laughs) I didn't kill that girl, okay? (laughs) Like, it was the fucking best. Like, it was just great. What did I revisit recently? And I I completely forgot it was him. Body bags with uh, John Carpenter. I mean, he was hysterical in that. Dude, that movie has so many cameos. Like, Matt, me and Matt were talking about this not so long, about how directors used to, like, jump on each other's shit and, like, cameo oh, yeah. and, like, bringing that kind of thing back, um, which I think would be awesome. But, like, that movie just... John Carpenter pulled every favor he had. Right. Like, oh, everybody right. was in that fucking movie. King, Craven was in that movie. Fucking uh, Michael Carradine. Like, like that... Mark Hamill, like that. Did Landis that, do a cameo in there? Landis did yeah, do a cameo. In him yeah. and uh, Tom Arnold are, are morticians together. I think. Yeah. Or is that Toby Hooper? Is the more Toby Hooper? To- Toby Hooper and John Landis, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. are the morticians that are at the end okay. of the movie. But yeah, no, he he called in every horror favor he had for that, and I thought it was awesome. It was so. Fun. I remember the first time I ever watched uh, um, Dark Man. I'm like, that's John Landis. You can't right. get him past me. <laughs> <laughs> I always like this group of misfits too. These like hooligans, you know what I mean? They're fun. Andy and Fabso, Don Harvey plays Andy. He's gone on to do a bunch of stuff, but the dude who played Fatso had like a decent little career, and then just kind of disappeared. You know what I mean? Which is mm-hmm. he didn't die though. He's still alive, I believe. He probably worked until he was happy and was smart with his money. Hopefully, I don't think he was. There wasn't enough money to be smart with. I, he did like in, in uh, '79. He did the Legend of the Golden Gun, which I've never heard of. He did Girls' Night Out, which I've heard of. Creep Show Two, and then the Return of Salem's Lot, which we got coming. Uh, oh boy! Yeah, that's the worst one, right? Uh, oh God, Larry Cohen. No, 
<laughs> he retired on Vampire's Kiss, which is a Nicolas Cage masterpiece. That's a great I, have, I can't find that movie at all. I need oh, to. Vampire's um, Kiss? Vampire's oh, Kiss. Man. Anybody else? If, if, if you can find it, there is a double feature with, um, I think, One Spitten. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. once it's once yeah. been in Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, I can. And, if, if that, any, and that was Shell Factory, and it's not going for astronomical prices, but at least you can get it. Oh on yeah, it is. Dude. Blu-ray. If oh no, dude, that it's that movie's big money. That's that movie's wicked movie. expensive. Oh, oh, what are you talking about? That's oh, yeah, huge that was the fucking. That's like that's like three hundred bucks. Yeah, Billy. That's, that's pricey. But I will say this: anybody, it's been out of print for like five years. Yeah, a few years. Yeah. Anybody that wants a copy of Vampire's Kiss, luckily, right now, if you go to your local Dollar Tree. They, last last time I was there, they had DVD yeah. of the Vampire's Matt, Kiss. Matt's not, even, Matt's not even kidding. They really were there. You can buy it on YouTube as well. Oh, there you go. They'll give the Dollar Tree some money. But buck twenty five, you can keep it forever. Yeah. Maddie, does the Dollar Tree finance your movies? They should. I wish they did. That's, but yeah, no, that's off the walls. That'd be a cool financer. Were you trying to insult my financer, Bill? No, <laughs> They'll put you in a shallow grave. Gotta be careful. Though. I would have said something meaner, but I just cement shoes. Cement yeah. shoes. The Dollar Tree people don't fuck around. No, they don't play games. They don't play games. No, just dig a hole, put Bill in that hole, and put that hole near a beach. Ah, give him the creep show. Give him the creep show. Give him the creep. Apparently, uh, this segment and another segment was supposed to be in the first creep show, but I don't know why it wasn't. Because it was runtime. Oh, it would have just they didn't, like yeah. It's just it's just plain old. They had to make a decision on oh, because okay. of runtime factor. At least they kept it though for like the next one. That's pretty. Yeah, dope. they wrote they wrote five for the original creep show, and it was the raft and the hitchhiker that got That's held back, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the next one, they were like, okay, we definitely want to use the raft and the hitchhiker. And then Stephen King wrote five more on top of that yeah. for them to pick from. Wasn't there a bowling lane story or something? Yeah, yeah, the, the haunted bowling teams. They were two, it was, about, it, was, it was called Falling Pins. It was about two ghost bowling teams rival bowling Yeah, teams. yeah I, I heard about that. <laughs> I think that's fucking amazing. I want to see that happen. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that could be actually a standalone at some point in the future. I would love to see it. that. I would love to see that. Like, a senile, like, 85-year-old Stephen King's just like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> and, and releases this. Like, cause hey, it sounds hey, amazing. And if, if, if he does it, for his cameo, he has to be the guy uh, that rents out the shoes. You know, at the bowling alley, like know? Eli Roth was yeah. cabin fever. Yeah. <laughs> That's what hey, I so thought of. Stephen King, you need to do this. Yeah, I think that'd be hilarious. It'd be like the last person that what? had these shoes. He, he bowled till he died. With his well, crazy eyes. Yes. Yeah. But the only reason I thought of Cabin Fever was I actually watched it this morning, Matt. And then it, I, it was, like, wicked fresh in my mind that right. Eli Roth played the, the happy bowling shoe guy. I remember, that was the, I remember that vividly, that story, the, the fucking murder, the massacre. That's what I thought of. Yeah. That was fucking great. That was, like, the best part of the movie, in my opinion. But. And now yeah. Old Chief Woodenhead is coming to life. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. I, I love this, is- this sound effect. The- this yeah. sound effect, when he screams, was ingrained in my brain for 
years. I thought this was one of the most haunting sounds I ever heard. I still know. Who is this motherfucker? That's what Bill sounds like when he yawns in the morning. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> Look at this He's a mating player. walrus. He's a mating walrus. Just now, I feel a, personally attacked. James. Now, a fun <laughs> fact about Fatso in the background there. Now he's the son of Hal Holbrook from Creepshow One. In the yes, he episode. is. That's ah. right. Very fun fact. Yeah, but he retired after the Empire's Kiss. Still, I don't know why. Uh, because he couldn't stand working with Nick Cage. I'm going to be no, honest. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no. It was like, I, I can't work with, with anyone like Nick Cage. He thought he was a real vampire. He's a yeah, vampire. No, no I can totally picture that, like, Cage was method acting the whole time. And, like, the guy was, like, at the end of the fucking shoot was like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I'm I sorry. The climb to being Nick Cage, there's probably some bodies in the wake of him being. He could have been real difficult before he became the Nick Cage everybody knows yeah. and loves. I still think he's insanely difficult today. I just love what he produces. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I bet he's all right. I, I get a feeling. I can't tell if he's a good actor or a bad actor. Who, Nicky? Oh, he's, oh, no. He's, he's a fantastic he's, actor. He's fantastic. Jesse, I know exactly what you're talking about, though, because it's that fine line where he did, you think of it, leaving Las Vegas, what he did in the 90s. I mean, he did, he's done amazing work, you know, but it seems like he went to a point where I think he would just want to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. And I think stuff was becoming really hit or miss. And I think there were a great series of misses at a point where he was almost becoming a joke. And he, I, either way, he was able to rectify it because you look at the movie. What was it? Pig, I think, that came out or something. Oh, Pig was yeah. incredible. He, Before that, he made something like fairly me. recently. And it, and it, it was just a reminder of, like, we, he is a brilliant actor. But he can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And I say God bless him. Well, no, me. what it really comes down to, Coin, is he owed the IRS a shitload. A lot of money, money. yeah. So and he, he had no choice, zero yeah. choice to turn he down sold anything. his haunted houses. He had yeah. like a, a few haunted houses that if he you, sold. You own- he was lucky he even had that because, I mean, you know, and I think it's a wonderful redemption story, you know. I mean, he, because we're, the fact that we're still even talking about him. Right. I mean, you know, he's, well, he's still he's, alive, though. No, but he's still you know, acting and, and doing stuff. what he's doing. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, he's made a renaissance of his career over the past, like, eight years and doing really high-quality stuff again, but there was, like, a 10-year stretch there, dude, with, like, Drive Angry and yeah. uh, all that. Yeah, yeah, mess. but... What you have to say about him is that even though they might have not been, you know, great, great films... He made them great. Yeah, I, th- I think it was oh, a bad, no, that. Just a bad time in movies. I that wasn't the best time in movies, and that just happened because they all went to theaters, you know what I mean, for the most part. Drive yeah, Angry no, was in I, the theaters. I, I agree. And Drive Angry is definitely more Amber Heard's fault than Nick Cage's fault. Let's be oh. honest. He goes back that far, huh? Amber Heard. Well, what can, what can we say? Amber Heard is a bad luck charm. That's what they say. <laughs> Why was she in this dude's garage and fucked up his car? Is that why? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, 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 someone's oh. going to be asked a question. Ah, that's such a great, that's such a great effect. I love the yeah. silhouette work with the blood splatter, like very Hitchcockian, but in like a cartoony way. I love it too. Cause really cool. I, I recreated an effect very similar for the last Halloween. 
where we use shadow effects and throwing blood on a wall. It's, to me, it's, if you can do it right and it works, that's great. And it's kind of really hard to screw up. And I'm not saying that as a cop out, but if you do it a few times and, and it looks the best, then go with it because yes. it's straightforward. It's effective. Val Luton, the whole concept use of shadow is one of the best things that could ever happen for certain effects. I mean, that kind of thing, man, like you can one and done that. Like your, yeah. your takes, your takes aren't going to be that much different from one no. to the next to the other. It, uh, like if you go past three takes on something like that, you're being really nitpicky. Yeah. In my opinion, because it's such a layup of a setup and shoot shooting scenario. Like just do it. And yeah. And I've been in, I've been on sets where it's like, okay, we can't do any more here. Let's move up 10 feet, <laughs> recreate the lighting and we'll do it again. And whatever looks good. And, exactly. uh, and, I, and then I get to a point, it's like, dude, you already got it. You just need to find it. And yeah, you know, a situation like that, if you don't get it in three takes, then you're not going to get it. No, dude. It's like, is it in Unless frame? It, yeah. yeah. Did it look cool? Yeah, you Ooh, got it. Because this, this is a great shot. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that POV up top. Yeah, you know, they pull yeah. through the wall. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Very Sam, Sam Raimi esque. I always like yeah, that. Yeah, nice. Ni- nice and nasty. I like. I like it. Very fancy. And the father wakes up, or the this is the dude's grandfather, right, or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's grandpappy. We're trying to make a deal. I like his blanket. Grandpappy needs his blanket. <laughs> and the, the two the two old folks, George Kennedy and his wife, are just like, you know, they're cooking out in the sun. They're turning into blankets. They're going to make them into, like, shoes later. Because <laughs> you never just dispose of the body like that in that culture. You always, if you kill something, you use it. You use it. You know what I mean? That's right. There's no waste. Make so, a wonderful uh, broth mean, out of those bones. Guess who owns that store now? The, this guy. So this guy won. I think that the, there was a hit put out on his on his his grandson that he didn't like, and these people that he owed money to. I think that's kind of the overall story here. That's oh, right. and the statue just comes to life to help him. He comes back because he says yeah. he did a job. He did, and actually, this suit was sculpted by a fair majority of Mike Tursley. That scalp um, always tripped me out. The blood, yeah, the blood right? was always fucking rugged looking. Even in like, I just realized that was a scalp. Yeah. Look at that get up, dude. My goodness. That's I love his hat. It's gorgeous. I'm going to rock. It's a, yeah, I'm going to rock that's, that hat. It's a solid 15 gallon hat. It's not just 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With the feather, it's so good. That's fantastic. I love it. I love how in, like, all these films, there's always, like, that time right before, like, one person dies or something, the wife is all like, oh, wow, I really think we should just close up and, you know, live our life. And he's like, no. Yep. And this is what you get. You had a chance. That's how it goes, man. Yep. Uh, another animated scene. It's I a, love the animation, dude. It's uh, people to choose living life over money. Making yeah. Money. That's it's a metaphor. That's the moral. If you don't choose, you get killed. More great animation. I love like the underlining like story or like the the lesson you should learn in these horror movies or shorts. Yeah. Well, that's the key to an anthology horror film is that whether it be like Tales from the Dark Side, Creep Show, Tales from the Crypt, if you're doing some kind of anthology horror, like it really should be morality play horror. Like yeah. that's really where the tradition is. In that there's a moral to these half hour stories that you're supposed to be learning. Right. You know? It's like lessons for adults. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't be a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Generally speaking, that's really what it all comes down to with these movies, is if you don't be a piece of shit, you won't die by some horrible means. Yeah, you're right. They're all more... Nowadays, you just die. Nowadays, you just die. In in this era of elevated (laughs) horror, you're going to die for no reason. The shot's going to take 30 seconds to get to your head, you know? Like that's yeah. that's that's what an anthology horror film would be in in 2022. Yeah. Now, how do you guys feel about the fact this one only has three segments and the other one had what, like five? That was like two hours long. Was the first? It really one. doesn't bother me. I don't. Very, you know, they're great. I love all the segments. I think with something like this, where it's secular, and you have these individual components, you can get away with it being however as long as short as you want because, yeah. like, you're you're not telling a whole full feature length story you're telling these little stories you know what mm-hmm. I mean? so they, they don't really lose much too when you really think about it like story-wise even the, the other ones are more compact but like you still everything's there like you take a look at the raft and like so much happens in the raft you know like this one and then you take like you can go into the first one and take the crate so much happens in the crate you know what i mean um but what can you do super fast <laughs> clip man it's just super fast. And they're good performances, and you want to be entertained more than anything else. You know, almost just get drawn into the story. So whether if it's like three stories or five stories, if they're compelling and you're into it, then it's like, that's cool if we see a little more of them more. If it's more tight and compact, you can almost feel like, I want to see more. And But that's the, you know, the art form of the short story. You know, That's that's the balancing act. Yeah. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Like, it's the balancing you, act. You get you show enough where everybody's titillated, but you don't show too much where they get sick of looking at what they're seeing. You know what I mean? Honestly, the second one definitely uh, stuck with me, like, more than the first one. And I think oh, what? This, like, this segment here? The, ra- the rap? No, I mean, like, this whole creep show, no. too. Stuck with oh, me okay, the whole movie. All right, I got you. Like, I remember, like, all the stories in the creep show, too. But the first one, I had to rewatch it, and I'm just like, I... Only remember like four of these. <laughs> but Matt touched on that earlier in the movie, that uh, earlier in the show, that a lot of people remember Creep Show two a lot more vividly than they do Creep Show one. Yeah, so it could. I, be I, I, yeah, I feel like I think I think Creep Show two was shown more on TV. I think it was shown more on TV than the, the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right, Alex. And I'd watch TV with my mom like all the time. I'd be like a little five year old, like watching Hellraiser, like loving it. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, no. I think I think this one got more wider release aftermarket, which is yeah. where a lot of these horror movies find their cult. And this water. Was freezing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, dude got hypothermia. Yeah, so ah! dude almost died. Yeah, literally almost died. The director almost watched walked off the set because they didn't want to stop. Yeah. And this was in Arizona. They were hoping for like great quality, great weather, but it was like really bad. They got rained out for I think eight days of shoot. Hmm. That's yeah, the desert, course. though, man. It's a volatile environment. Sometimes yeah. it's negative 50. Sometimes it's 137. Sometimes it's pouring. Sometimes you won't see rain for five months like they yeah. are right now. And, and this like production right was plagued with a few issues. You know, even the whole um, uh, hitchhiker sequence where they filmed in Maine, uh, that there was a blizzard and they couldn't do makeup effects because, you know. This is just freezing off their faces. Yeah, freezing off their faces in this situation here. And actually, one funny makeup effects story about this segment, when they needed to make this thing, 
they were using ultra slime, um, which is a very viscous material. I also work with, and it is shit. You don't, it, it just can't get off you. And there was a situation where like, you know, um, they had to yell Howard and he, what Greg, we need 10 gallons right now. Go get it. And so he runs to the shop and gets it. And the lids basically came off of, um, these containers when he was driving and so like all this you know tainted shit came up and he was like trying to like you know stop the car and basically he's like oh great you're here and he's like yeah but they fell over and there's shit all over this you know the the seat of the car and he's like fuck and they both just basically you know grab all this methicellulose that's tinted black no all right now let's shoot this fucker yeah and anybody hasn't worked with that goo before mm-hmm. it's like jello and engine grease it's it's oh, like yeah. this super like just it, it like billy said it perfectly like it sticks to something it doesn't come off like it's it's this super gooey but just uncleanable nightmare because so like we use something actor, very similar at work it's pretty it's pretty gnarly so being and, that and, actor, and you really being feel legal. if you understand the material you really feel for like patty tallman who is doing the um, sequence where she's actually covered in all of it. And when yeah. she's being pulled down, because it, it was couldn't have been easy for her, her to clean all that off. Yeah, seriously. Somebody had to have been squeegeeing it off of her back when when the shot was over because she okay. wasn't washing it off with soap and water. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say, because like, they got like doused in it. That other guy gets like fucking covered completely. Yeah, no, they, yeah. they had to be hit with a squeegee. Had, were they just like moving it off camera like in a net or something? What, that? The, the, yeah. The, 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 I always wondered say, how they maneuvered this whole thing. They it was probably, probably pulled a, it underwater. It was probably a cakewalk for her about two de- decades later, only getting slapped or punched by Austin Powers, which I think is pretty cool. Right? That's how long it right? took. That's to easy street off. compared to this That's shit. easy street compared to getting covered in this shit. This is the only situation where I like the jock character over the dude you're supposed to like. I, <laughs> right. I, 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 I guess you're supposed to like this nerdy dude, but I, I, I never like I can him. back that. It's like Shelly in fucking Friday the 13th Pot 3. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like a nerdy guy that you're supposed to relate to, but you actually end up just absolutely hating. It's true, man. Reverse psychology. And actually, it's funny how Kogan, yeah, even mentioning that name because she was also the lead in Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead, Patty Tolman, which yeah. Romero also produced. I mean, it was a great time frame, you know, really for. You know, the King, Tom Savini, um, Stephen, uh, sorry, uh, Stephen King, Tom Savini, and George Romero. You know, I mean, when those three came together, you know, to collaborate on anything, I mean, you knew you were getting something special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Amen. Oh, yeah. This poor guy, dude, look at him all. Yeah. And it's so weird because I can't believe how creepy he gets. So it's like, you know. He turns into a rapist, yeah. It's just bizarre yeah. considering it's like, okay, we're stuck on this fucking raft. We're not getting off here. What the hell am I going to do? Gee, maybe I'll just throw caution to the wind and just be a fucking pervert. I assume, I assume it's a pretty realistic, like. Well, we're stuck on this raft and we're going to die. We may as well get it mm. in, right? Hey. You got to figure he's like this dude trying to impress this jockey kid. So you almost think of like, um, 
like college parties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be, he would definitely be sneaking off into bedrooms with like passed out girls and they're trying to rape him and shit. Yeah. Ooh, bad news bears. Bad news Very bears. Very bad news bears. That's 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 nasty. That's the type of character I take that nerdy dude for. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And when he gets and when he gets caught, his dad pays to get him out of it. Of course. Daddy I'm, money. Oh, honestly, I, I didn't know she was passed out. I thought, I thought oh, she, she was sleeping was, though. Yeah. I, I I was just I was just laying next to her. I wasn't doing anything. Ew! Hawk. I knew Hawk was going to go there because he was getting way too relaxed sitting in that chair. I'm, I'm thinking, what, what is he going to say next? That's nasty. Hey, that's hey, I'm saying that's what that guy's saying. I'm not saying that's what I'd be saying. But I know what you're hiding saying. behind those curtains. You I have all those that when I was you, No, absolutely not. Hawk's a good man. He would not be doing that kind of dirty, nasty shit. No, those are the magic of the movies. Felt like uh, I took advantage of you, Hawk, during that film. Bitch, don't put your hand that. in that shit. It's gonna no, don't. No. <laughs> Have you no. never seen the blob? <laughs> you don't Beware start touching blob. stuff that you ooh. They, oh man. And this yeah, is our no. reverse reverse that, effects. That's no good. Dude. No, see, you you don't Look touch the that. black snot. That's I've no. always that that looks so dangerous, dude. The one she falls in. To it, like I've like, all, even as a kid, I was yeah. like, "How'd they do that?" Because that's because so she looked like dangerous. she toppled in like head first. Yeah, you know dude, I mean? it like, yeah. like neck all flopping, Ooh, like that. Nice. I don't know. It sounded Patty oh. Tomlin in that makeup. It looked super dangerous. That's not even makeup, dude. They just greased that's her up. Slime, man. That's fucking. <laughs> oh man, oh, poor hot tar on her. Yeah, that <laughs> looks so nasty. <laughs> I picture like someone holding her up. And like pulling her down slowly. They had a tremor. No, that's what they did have to do. I mean, they had to be some poor PA underneath her, just like, (laughs) 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 it was more than just the PA. I mean, uh, the guys from Cambia themselves actually got in the water. Um, Howard Berger uh, mentions how he he's like, I don't like water, but um, you know, he eventually had to get in there and you know pull his weight along with a few other folks. You got anybody here think they could outswim this thing? Fuck oh, me. hell no. I couldn't, no. Ask I could outswim it when I was 20. That's my bit. Yeah. Ask me 20 okay. years ago, yeah. man. <laughs> I live by the ocean, so I should be able to swim. Bill would become friends with it somehow. Yeah, I probably right. would. He'd be, crew- it'd be, he'd be rolling around on like a raft. Now, I'd see. Like a flute and just start playing uh, music. I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have gotten chummy with one of these chicks. Gotten cool with her. Got her to trust me, shoved her at it, <laughs> swam in the opposite direction. That that's what is the right answer. That, that is the that, right that, fucking That answer. is James, the pure survivalist of the group. Goddamn right. <laughs> you put hey, me on. Okay. Kill or be killed. It's a dog. Wait, no. dog let me, let me throw a couple. Let me throw you a couple of facts at why this would happen, Alex. One, I have a severe phobia of water, like open bodies of water, lakes oceans whatever if i can't see what's underneath me not a fan two i don't like being on water because of this so you stick me on a raft where i'm stuck in the water yeah i'm figuring out a way to get out of that scenario (laughs) asap and i don't care who's dying (laughs) okay okay so if we ever end up getting stuck on the raft we all throw james in first (laughs) 
Honestly, yeah, that's probably your best bet. <laughs> <laughs> James, we like you, but you know what? Uh, you got to go. Smart. I don't. I don't blame you guys in the bit, in the least bit. It's the exact same scenario. I love you all, but I love me more. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that is such a good effect. That. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, that's oh, great. Pulling the leg through. And when yeah, you get, yeah. when the leg goes up, dude. Like as a kid, I remember seeing the leg going up and going down the wood, and just being like, "That's fucking shredding him, dude." <laughs> oh, like right yeah. here. Like Shit. getting the broken wood in your back of your thigh and just fucking ripping everything off with a shard of wood is horrifying. Every, every splinter you've ever had magnified times four million. And, and just the, you know the concept of the, how this thing is dissolving you as soon as you're touching it. So you're feeling everything. Is you know, it's you're just eating away at you. And that's you think it's slow digestion. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not you quick digestion. Exactly. Yeah, a slow digestion. Yeah. The actor is being like, you must be. But, I mean, we already know the water's hypothermia cold. So that's like real pain in their face as well. Oh, yeah. Completely. And crying hey, and emotional. You left the ring behind. You can at least keep Fun. the ring as a memento. Well, he his school ring. Fun, fun fact. Um, when, when you get cold enough, when something's so cold that it touches your skin at a certain level, it burns. It doesn't mm-hmm. freeze. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You actually feel burning. <laughs> so, well, as, as someone who used to ski, you know, it's ice burn. You know, yeah. it's no fucking fun. I mean, you really, that's why you need to bundle up if you're going something like that. Because if you, if you have exposed skin at all and you're skiing or snowboarding, that's not good on you. You, mm-hmm. you really should cover up. Yeah, oh, I work in a negative 14 degree freezers at work and I have to do it two times a week. It's insane. Like, after you leave, like, that area you're just like on fire but it hurts so bad mm-hmm. and like having hot water is like the worst thing for does you. nothing does absolutely nothing you gotta slowly you gotta slowly reacclimate back to the regular temperature or it's just yeah. gonna mm-hmm. be worse yeah no i've i've been in that scenario a few times whether shoveling snow or whatever where i've just gotten so cold that it burns yeah. and i knew that like frostbite was like eight seconds away so i ran in my house you know what i mean well, that's what these guys dealt with in that cold ass water being wet Ugh. No. Hey. Now it's going to be cold. Yeah. All this morning stuff is probably when that hypothermia probably came in because it's in Arizona. But like when me and Hawk did went to Indiana for the gathering, that oh, was yeah. hot as fuck. But the the problem was like during the day it'd be hot as fuck, but then as soon as the sun disappears, dude, it got so fucking cold, dude, it'd blow your mind. It was like mm-hmm. <laughs> horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fully agree. Mucho ecological poncho. We missed the mucho ecological part. Are those rafts like stuck to something in the water, or can you like anchored? Yeah, I think they're anchored. They're tied. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, A situation like that, you would have like a a thick, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Um, Chain, a, a thick yeah. piece of chain. And it has an anchor. And, you on know, it. usually it'd be down and anchored to like something substantial, so you know the raft wouldn't. You know, yeah. what do you think the death? What do you think the death actually is from that? Like once you're in it, what do you think happens? Do you think it is a dissolving thing like you're talking about? You oh yeah, suffocate? definitely. Yeah, it's probably like acid. You think it's quick? You think it's? Uh, it's inside out. I don't. It doesn't. I don't look think quick. it. I don't think it's quick. I think it's. Dissolving plus also you got it going into your mouth, so yeah. suffocation. Yeah. Plus, that's the vibe I get. 
if it's not even going in your mouth, it's pulling you under the water. So you got the drowning. drowning. I, I always, yeah, I always got a like the stuff type vibe to it, where like it just went into your, like into your, like fucking engulfed your lungs and just like filled you and you died that way. Like you had black sludge just enter you. <laughs> Oh, it's rude. That's what I figured it was. No matter what way you slice it, whether it's dissolving you, whether it's actually filling every crevice in your internal organs, Ah. whatever, it's just a bad way to go. Oh, (laughs) it's just not 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 a happy, fun time. It's definitely not passing away in your sleep easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's one of the many reasons you'd want to sit down, Stephen. uh, Sit sit down, Stephen King. Like, dude, I have to ask. How the hell you come up with like ninety percent of this stuff? Because it uh, it takes a lot of creativity and a fucked up brain. The wooden think head of this shit. Yeah. Chief Woodenhead's the strangest one in this the segment in this whole thing. If you really think about it, like I trying to make How that scary. Well, trying well, to make that well, trying to make that looking at that on paper and trying to make that well, scary is more hard, difficult. Well, I feel well actually, Chief Woodenhead. Is yeah. is is honestly just the story of the golem, okay? Yeah. yeah. yeah so I mean, I, I mean, it's it's I I don't think it's the strangest. I think it's actually the the more likely uh, the one that's more like rooted in like uh, a kind of like lore or something yeah. like that. I think. I think, yeah. I think Woodenhead has the most flawless effects. Um, I think this one, the raft. It works incredibly well. And what's amazing at the end is how they built it almost like a convertible top um, for something that would basically hyperextend. And they built, you know, what this thing is made out of, which is all pieces of foam latex that they just laid out on a um, garage floor and just, you know, let it fully cure. So, you know, it didn't have to be in any shape, but, you know, for this thing to actually treat it like almost like an animal that's coming after you yeah. and how this thing can even get you out of the water. There's no way in hell they could have done it back then digitally or because they didn't have it back then optically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh, they, he, they had to do it practically. And, <laughs> you know, but I love this makeup hey. coming up on her face. Love this right? You see the bladders in here and you see the discoloration and this yeah. guy's just being, not very nice. Well, he like laid her down, like kissing her and shit. So maybe she was willing. Maybe unconscious though. Was She's she? out cold, man. That's 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 her. Oh, job. he was like rocking her to sleep. Oh, and that's when the creepy thing happened. He gave yeah, her yeah. Little, he brought a little date rape drug in his bathing suit for him. Uh, yeah, he's supposed he's to bring doing- joints, not date rape shit. The cool, the cool jock had the joints, man. That was the coolest jock I've ever seen in a movie, dude. I don't now now I don't the nerdy know. kid's over here. She's all passed out. He's going for a nipple. Like, it's weird. This was trying to tell everybody about Columbine. It was trying to warn the world of Columbine that these nerds would do terrible things, and you got to keep on the lookout, though. Oh. That is a great yeah. fucking... I love yeah. the makeup. I love this makeup, too. I mean... It's about to throw up. He can't handle it. Jeez, dude. Just pulsating some nice bladder effects. Right. And he's just standing there like, hey, man, at least I got to touch your tit before you die. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Highlight oh. yeah, that looks the like... Oh, that is so, so... Oh, And then pulling her, just pulling her. 
Oh, that's grody. From the head, I, it popped her neck. Though. I bet that felt good on her back. Mm. Fucking uh, swim now, bro. Yes. Yeah, that's see. pretty dangerous, too. Yeah, I was gone. Well, just like James you said, you just push car. someone in, then you just go in the opposite. I don't think I would have. should have did that know. yesterday, man. Just saying. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Did that she yesterday. Like a skull. Oh, yeah. She went. Yeah, yeah just shoot her up, man. No, that was like that was way more instant than the other ones. But like, like so, I guess that would be the answer. It is an instant thing. See, like instant reaction at least. See, like I feel like I know. Like, hear me out. I feel like there's a little bit of like reality to this. Like, we don't know what's hiding in the dark crevices of our late bodies and all that. And we're like one cracked piece of cru- piece of Earth's crust away from some crazy ass fucking primordial nastiness creeping out and doing this shit. That's know? exactly I, yeah. I always took this to be like a toxic waste thing, like an environmental type thing. You know, could what be I mean? that. It was, it, it, that. That's what I think it is, like an oil spill, so form. to speak. Well, an oil I, slick is what it was based off of yeah. in the initial sketches. Ooh. Yeah, like that. I mean. And that is all practical, which, you know, it's incredible. One of my favorite endings of all time in a horror movie, let alone this. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. But I I like, I like, I also like that this segment is ambiguous. Like, like Matt thinks it's like toxic waste and environmental things. I think it's some primordial goo that seeped up from the depths of the fucking inner crust of the earth. And you know what? They never really say which one it is or which one it isn't. They just and that's it what makes it work. It's like tremors. You don't have yeah. to explain everything yeah. because they never exactly. really explain the origin. I think that's great. You don't have to answer all the fucking questions. I don't know. For me, it's like in my head, I feel like this one could technically be connected to is it called the trucker one where Stephen King gets like covered in the moss? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. a lot of weird that's shit happens. Jody Rivero. So what if it was connected? That'd be fucking sick. If it was like the same life form and it was just an alien presence that took over like an element. Yeah, because they almost make it seem like the the lake is kind of isolated and, you know, away from everything, you know, as you see. So it's definitely up for interpretation. And it knows to follow you. So it knows where the food is. It's got a brain, yeah. We have the animation up here. I wanted to show you guys. This is something that I want to check out. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. That's um, my middle name. No, no. I'm watching the movie, Bill. <laughs> Daddy, you guys know Meatloaf was in this film as an animated character? Rest Wait, in peace, what? Meatloaf. <gasps> this bully always reminded me of Meatloaf, bad out of hell. Oh, I was like, is it really? <laughs> it's another evil nerd, dude. This, this movie's got evil nerds galore. I see it. This animation reminds me heavily of Heavy Metal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Fucking love that well, movie. That was what, that was, what's his name, that Ralph, dude, wasn't it? Uh, well, that was also Kevin Eastman. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that, that was Heavy Metal. Yeah, Kevin Eastman had a hand in oh. that. In the nads. Now how, bad, now how matter how big they are, you kick them in the nuts, they'll always get the effect. Grab- they're, they're really going to kill that kid now, though. It's the animated version of me. <laughs> what? The bully? Is that the yeah. Yeah. That's Tom Sweeney. No, they said <clears throat> that's the animated one. They did a fun fact. Nicholas Cage supposedly was in, in talks to play the creeper, the Tom Savini deal. That would have been fun. I would have yeah. loved that. This would have worked. Imagine that. 
It would have put the comedy into it more, I think. I don't know how to make... I don't know what to make of that. (laughs) I don't know what to make of either. I didn't say I didn't agree with it. I just don't know what to make of it. Yeah. It depends on his life situation. Like, I got to process that. Hang on. (laughs) That's like one of those casts... That's like one of those casting near misses that makes you rethink your life. This lady uh, pays per orgasm. That's what I remember the most about this segment. That's how you go. Is Alex Hawk and a younger when he's younger? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Back when I had to pay for college. Yep. Yeah. Charging women for sex. Hey, hey, I, I was. Mean, Needed the money I did. <laughs> well, what can you say? Uh, you got to make money somehow, right? <laughs> so there, there are there, there's, they're leading her off. They want you to hate her right away. You know what I mean? This oh, is, yeah. Uh, she falls in line with, um, what's her name? From the first one um, in the crate, uh, Bar- Adrian, Adrian Barbeau's, Adrian Barbeau's character. character. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, Banner definite, or something like that. Yeah, definite Banner. Like Billy, Billy. She had a boy's name, uh, name like Billy Coyne. Yeah, it was. It's safe, Billy. You don't have to wear the mask. <laughs> I'm double bagged for her protection. As far, Ooh. as far as, far as I said. know, <laughs> the CDC has not declared either that COVID or monkeypox can be transferred over the internet yet. Not yet. Hey, hey, you never know. I mean, you got to be careful of those, uh, you know, computer viruses. They're tricky. They're just Everything waiting to jump tricky. from uh, CPU to you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't put any of your extra appendages in the slots in your computer, and you'll be okay. Oh no! Promise. No! Ah! <laughs> you tell me? I knew it, Hawk. I fucking knew it. All of it. It's killing me. The the life of a the life of being a male prostitute is always way more glamorous than the life of being a female prostitute. I, I, de- I definitely gather that in films. They're, There's they're some biased. truth to that, though. There's some genuine truth to that. <laughs> because yeah. I watched a lot of real sex when I was a kid and, like, those weird, like, those weird HBO specials. I've seen and, that, yeah. And, like, J- with the old lady? With the old ladies, yes. Yes, I <laughs> and, love that show. And they did a, a, a comparison between, like, the Point Hood Hookers of New Jersey and a Gigolo's life. And Gigolos generally have a much higher class clientele. They really do. Because the women that are paying for sex are bloody fucking rich and yeah. old as dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sugar mama you need. No, but that was actually a really good show. And it was actually a very high rated show for HBO. Oh, it was yeah. kind of groundbreaking territory because it was. Kind of, I mean, Max After Dark really hadn't even started then, so you know it was kind of venturing into new territory of where that that was the start of HBO having balls. Hookers at the point. Did you bring? Is that what you said? Hookers at the point. I remember that there was a a sequel to that too. Yeah, there were. There were. There was a sequel to it, and that show was fucked up. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just putting this out here that I am willing to. to sign up for any sugar mamas out there, if you're listening, okay? Don't <laughs> care how old you are. As long as you have a big fat checking account, I can be your love puppet. Yeah, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna double on what Hawk's saying. <laughs> and I have a movie to pay for right now. So exactly. Yeah. Anybody, hey, okay. anybody that needs any kind of favor, 
Okay, okay. Right now, I'm, sexual I'm, or otherwise, come okay, here. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say this. Okay, James and I are doing the two-for-one deal. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Hey, come on. Come on. Two lovable, handsome hunks right here. All I'm saying That's right. is you're a sugar mama. you got a lot of money that you will to spread around. Should we go to the next level? Younger, suffering creatives. James and I will do anything. And I First of all, anything. you got you got the two-pronged attack of Alexander the Thunderhawk. <laughs> and James, the tongue that can hammer or nail LeMond. Let's go. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm bringing it up there. I'm sorry, I can't. Now I'm going to be standing in the corner with the ventriloquist on me recording everything. No. <laughs> We're not going to make any money that way, Billy. None. You know I'll help you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll go into like sugarbaby.com or some shit, and I got you guys. Oh, there you go. I like it. Hey, there you go. Hey. I didn't even know sugarbaby.com was a thing. How about that? You just got to type it in and try, man. Uh, well, I don't want to know how you know that, but all right. <laughs> I was desperate at a time, okay? It's fine. It's fair. Hey, it we're, all out, desperate. Okay. <laughs> we're all desperate. Work for you, and I'm giving your goals, and to go to Neil Patrick and Harris and shit, but apparently that's not in the cards. <laughs> First of all, we're all artists in Massachusetts, so we're all a little desperate. <laughs> yeah, we're all desperate. <laughs> <laughs> she's just sloppy driving, right? She's not drunk, or is she drunk? I don't, think she's drunk. I don't think she's drunk. I think she's just like emotionally, you know, a little torn up. You know, she's a little emotionally distressed, man. Yeah, emotionally I, I, distressed. I think she's emotionally distant, and she's trying to find her inner core after you know, you know that that great night with that guy that she paid for. She's definitely. <laughs> You know, you can almost question a lot of this being in her head, but the way she talks to herself throughout the whole segment, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's the way things crazy. are falling. She is kind of quite crazy. I think I think she's just trying to reconcile with, like, the fact that she's probably never going to get dicked down quite that good again in her life. But Is this Lois Child? If, if you pay, you can get anything again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, fair. <laughs> Remember for the right Not that amount, I'd know, but fair. For the right amount of money, you can get anything that you want. It's it's, it's having perfect. that amount of money. Yeah, <laughs> she's a good like uh, contender for like prescription pill problems too. See, I, I feel like that goes with the character, even if you don't see it. You know what I mean? But back then, they didn't really call they didn't really call out people for prescription pill problems. They were just prescribing everything to everybody anyway. Everything yeah. was a diet pill. Is that driver who I think it is? It is, I believe, right? Yeah. Stephen King! That's King. Stephen King to the rescue. Mr. Driver. The best fucking cameos in his movies, man. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go past the Creed house. Yep. But hey, his car phone! Hey, hey, excuse me, have you seen my puppy, uh, Cujo? You know, he's about <laughs> yay big, you know, drooling, a lot of Blood on the face. Might have been <laughs> bitten by a bat, you know. Sweet dog. Some girl Sweet running dog. around here in a negligee and we're all he's red. A, he's, he's really the nicest dog. Don't don't let the arm hanging out of his mouth fool you. Yeah. That's his toy. It's, it's it's, yeah, it's just his chew toy. You know? Don't yeah. take it away. Somebody <laughs> made a comment recently I thought was funny about um, road flares and like how really dangerous they are when you think about it because like oh, they are. an accident happens and like there could be gas leaking and they just put this fucking stick of dynamite on fire that can like it's roll around on the ground That's when why. the wind goes yeah there's like it, a... it's very rare you actually see a road flare anymore yeah. for that reason well, 
Road flares, when they use the road flares in Return of the Living Dead, as we mentioned, Clue, uh, Brian Peck was holding those things when Linnea was dancing um, in her infamous scene. And those things apparently, I guess, like got some holes in them somewhere, and that material was starting to drip out all over his hands. And it sounds like he has burn marks. Uh, I believe it, man. Well, a road flare, that's magnesium. Magnesium burns almost the hottest thing on the planet that doesn't burn our atmosphere at the same time. It's like 3,000 degrees Kelvin. They're super fucking hot. Yeah. So it's like... I mean, they're just dangerous, period. Whether it's yeah. fuel around, not fuel. You get you point one the wrong fucking way, and it's going to take off somebody's eyeball, their tongue, like, whatever. You know, whatever's free and hanging and exposed, and sometimes, like, even through a shirt or something, no problem, you know? Well, another thing, hole in you. Another thing that was deemed experimental in filmmaking was um, the glow sticks. And they used to break the glow sticks. The crack glow sticks, yeah. That's what, you know, and that stuff is extremely toxic. And that's what they use, like, on Reanimator and a lot of those, you know, type of movies. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't want that shit getting on you. And they would always talk about that in the commentary tracks. Like, mm-hmm. all that stuff's mouth off on it. We had it going everywhere when it shouldn't have been. Well, I mean, think about it. Back in the day, how many people were using bromine drops and shit? And that stuff's oh. fucking super lethal. Yeah. You know? Well, even Fuller's Earth, which is, you know, no good. And, you know, that's what they use for a lot of fake Earth back then. And inhale that. It's just not good. It's like, yeah, no, no, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that they got away with in like the eighties and nineties that now we found better solutions for Thank fuck. But yeah, it it blows your mind when you really like sit back and think about how many people didn't walk out of that. Okay. And not, you know, with like lung cancer and like a missing limb. (laughs) Or even like, what's it called with the, what was it? Chisholm? Um, in the mines, John Wayne the, movie, yeah. John Wayne movie, where like almost everyone died from mesothelioma or something like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 because they had them in those shafts for like so fucking long. They all got the black lung. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a good old westerns back then. They were real admitted with them cowboys. <laughs> Don't play around. go in the mines. You come out a man. Well, to double down on it, to make those shafts look blacker. And yeah. like to make it more, they used fucking arsenic. Of course, yeah. I mean, so. they were using- <laughs> crazy. We're talking about the fifties, Jesse. They had no clue. They had no clue that any okay, of this. Okay, that did makes that. sense. I was like, uh, excuse you. Well, I mean, heck, back in uh, the olden times when uh, you had like the old gangster and noir films, they were using real bullets. They were just. Aiming to miss the the actors. I mean, yeah, dude, like just crazy shit, just crazy shit. Like you, you're. It's amazing that more people didn't get hurt. Hey, you live and learn, right? Yeah. Or you Might fuck up really badly and don't. Yeah, but yeah. everyone around you should probably try to learn something from it. I think when you die, there's you nothing learn. wrong with taking a NOSHA class. Just don't mean anything anymore. Just don't matter that you learn. I, I think that's true. Billy, I think that's exactly the problem. Is that like I'm 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 OSHA I'm OSHA trained and I'm Hascom trained up to like plutonium disposal. So I see things and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. No, but when I got into the union, I had to learn all that shit. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah, exactly. like, oh, yeah. No, you're, 
Yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, you never know when you have to make a call when you're realizing you're working on something because the last thing you want to do is basically risk the integrity of, um, you know, your crew, especially if you don't know if it's safe or not. You're better off just to figure out what alternatives you can use instead of putting anyone in harm's way. There's no reason to put it. Like, like people, you know, we're, we're casting for the new movie right now. People have asked me, oh, so who's your safety officer? I'm like, I am. They're like, you're the director. I'm like, yeah, and I'm the only person that's going to do the job for free that actually has the education to do it. So I'm your yeah. safety <laughs> officer. <laughs> you know, this this hitchhiker one's always been. Now that looks cool. <laughs> well, it looks so creepy. You know, he's got that. This is my favorite. Yeah, this is my favorite. They use the woods yeah. really well in this. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's it's that '80s blue that we yeah, always give saw. me that '80s blue, baby. That that is blue, blue. man. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. You just can't beat some blue. But yeah, I think this is an interesting segment. I wonder how much of it's in her head. A lot of it, I feel. I think it's all in her head. I do too, because there's no way you can be driving straight blindly into the woods and not hit any trees. I think it's her guilty conscience or something. Plus, also, she looks like she's having so much fun. Driving, oh, yeah, she's uh, having a blast. Huh? He's like, "Oh yeah, I want to get this crazy guy off my car." I think my favorite in the woods. My favorite '80s blues story from the 1980s that I learned was when Stuart Gordon basically said to Mac Alberg on Dolls, "You know, I think I want, and I, I want, I'm in a blue mood here." And then um, the DP said, "Don't talk to me about cameras and colors," you know. And he's like, "But I'm, I'm in a blue mood." And he's like, fine, we'll do it. And uh, apparently he was like, you know, don't ever question a blue mood if you don't have to. Let the cinematographer basically find it for you. <laughs> well, who said that? What happened? No, it was just like, you know, Stuart Gordon was like, I feel like I'm in a blue mood. And oh, Mac Albert, oh, this was on Dolls. And he's like, you know, I don't see it here. And he's like, well, I'm in a blue mood. And he's like, well, fucking film it and see if it works or not. And it worked, but, you know, Mac Albert had it look better, but they did it Stewart's way. That's too much ego, man. He wouldn't shoot, DP wouldn't shoot it? No, he shot it, but, you know, I they actually had a wonderful relationship, uh. Uh, Mac Albert and um, uh. Stuart Gordon, because they did so many wonderful movies together, you know, reanimated from beyond dolls, you know, but it was just one of those moments they just didn't see eye to eye, and, and that's fine. That happens. That happens, you know. Shit it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Especially when you work with someone long enough, you know, it's almost like there's like that second language where they can understand what you're saying before you even say it. At what point would anybody turn the gun on themselves dealing with this situation if this thing kept following you? I mean, it would eventually probably get to that point. You can't kill the thing off no matter where you're at. It's following behind you and you got that pistola. I don't know. The only thing, the only way, sometimes the only way to win is to lose. Oh, but Ooh. the scary part is if even if you're dead, you might still have to deal with that thing, which is pretty If bad. it's in your head. You're if in it's, hell, if it's, yeah. If you're already in hell, which would be a, another concept, a conceptual theory for this. Mm-hmm. If you're already suffering your eternal punishment, what's blowing your head off going to do? Just right. hit the reset button? I love the... Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah, I love the progression of his makeup. Just, you know, as it goes, the more he just starts falling apart. And the final one, 
It's probably my favorite look. We're not there yet, but I'm going to bring something up once we get there. I like to keep take of like all the camera cuts in those like moments of special effects. Cause like when you're watching it, you don't think of like, Oh my God, how do they do this? But it's like every cut is like, Oh, more makeup. Yeah. Next cut, more makeup. Awesome. Yeah, that was that. That was over the. It was more than likely over the course of like a whole week of shooting. Yeah, that they were doing the progression. You know what I mean? Maybe like two makeup changes a night. I would say would be fair. You know? Yeah. yeah uh-huh. I mean, that's to be expected. It could be two, maybe four. Either way, the progression. You know, depending on how many days they did, want to you know pace themselves where it goes from prosthetics to a puppet. Yeah. So with, um, you know, your actor, you know, you're going to be pouring up as many copies as you need beforehand mm-hmm. and do as much pre-prep because these makeups, you know, can take up to about, you know, two hours, you know, each. And the more prep you do beforehand, the more you're cutting down on the application time, which is what they had to do. In which, is, which is why a good pre-pro, and I think my makeup, my resident makeup artist friend here will agree with me, good pre-pro for you filmmakers out there. Get as many prosthetics made ahead of time as you can. Do not yes. do on-site application. Get it all done ahead of time if you can. It'll make I your life so much easier. Quick. You definitely yeah, and, quick. and rule number one, I don't want ever hear anyone says we can fix it in post. Never say that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Every, every single time I'm on the set and someone says that I want to go up and strangle them, I'm like, do it. You idiot. You can't. <laughs> When you're working on the in the moment practical horror shoot, there's no fix it in post. This is the most in our head when he holds up the sign "You killed me." So that's when you almost think like this really is more psychological. I mean, I mean, there's oh god, there's a couple shots that make you feel like it's not, you know, like when she's driving away and you almost see him in the real world where he's kind of le- like pushing himself off off the road. That's kind of real world. That's not in her head because she's not there to see it. So you'd get there's shots like that, but I think it's a lot in her head. Yeah. It's not the whole deal. I feel like they probably do like majority in her head, but like they cut like with a knife, like what's real. So they keep it together. Now this is just brutal. This is horrendous, yeah. I wouldn't want to be this dude. And a lot of these dummies were actually built by Greg Nicotero himself. Yeah. Now this well, back then he was just a hump. He wasn't, he wasn't the king and god that we know now. No, no, no. But as KNB, you know, um, they would always break things up. And, you know, Greg was actually one of the great people when it comes to um, uh, marketing and um, the finance side. But he's also a very... Well, uh, um, a phenomenal artist, mm-hmm. but um, you know, to always see his work, you know, was always exciting in any capacity. And and these were jointed bodies. I mean, you know, they weren't fully articulated, but they were jointed enough to help sell the realness of these. Um, you know, how many times she has to run over these bodies? And they made a few. Mm-hmm. Amen. Bill. Silent Bill. Jesse, you scared the shit out of me. Sorry. So, you know, everybody, it's the woods, you know, everybody's upset, you know, she's unconscious. It's snowing now. Sure. I wonder if it was planned snow. Or if that's fake snow. 
Probably it's not as expensive it, it, to pull it, off. It, it it's probably real. real. It yeah. was real. This was the one where stuff was materials were freezing. I looked into renting a snow machine for a certain thing that I'm doing soon to not be named yet. And yeah. uh, no, no, that that snow is definitely real because nobody can afford to actually make fake snow. I promise. So you. all of this <laughs> movie was filmed in Arizona, then? No, no, this was filmed in Maine. This, this is Maine. Oh, this part was filmed in Maine. Yeah. yeah, that makes way more sense. I was like, wait. I'm glad they to wreck that car, though. I was like, that car better be wrecked in some way. He's gone. Yeah, that, that car is not, it, unless it's Christina, is not going to be getting a good facelift. That insurance adjuster is up for the biggest heart attack. <laughs> Honestly, they probably just, like, pre-did, like, undid that fender, because that's usually just, like, a stick-on. Well, not stick like a clip-on. Yeah. So it's probably, like, mad easy to pull off. And now she's still going crazy. Well, she got a reason to. Now she's hit her head. She's like, ah, my head. The famous my head. Wait, the body wasn't there. I got no body. And the body goes, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Now it's time to go home. Louis, <laughs> drive home in the snow. No, that's it. Bars. I'm out. Not again. <laughs> well, I mean, realistically, look how much wood she went through. She, there's no fucking get out, getting out of where she is. No. She drove through like a mile of woods, and now she just takes a left, and she's fucking back on a road. I think it's all right. I think so, too, because that's way too convenient. Unless oh, we're just no. overthinking it. Hey, hey, it's hey, all hey, on the brain. Hey, at least look at it this way. Before she got wood, now she can definitely get wood. Okay. <laughs> oh, and now it's free. You're making Billy uncomfortable to talk like that. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I like wood jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Billy's giving me a loving one finger salute. Back at you, Billy. <laughs> love you too. Oh, Billy. Don't Cruising forget out. it is love subconsciously. Yeah. I always got the vibe the pit the, the husband probably wouldn't be too upset with her. I feel like they have a lot of money. It's a very wealthy group. Like he's <laughs> she's getting dicked down because he's never there to do it type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's sure. the whole vibe. Your sex. That's what it usually boils. Down. Pro- he'd probably give her some hard times over it, but she he'd just buy oh, her a new car. You'll give her hard times. No, you give her yeah. that's the Well no, I think that, I think that's the problem. He wasn't giving her a hard time. And yeah. that's why she had the, the male hooker. Yeah, she had to go look exactly. at that. Blood <laughs> all the blood. What kind of fake story would you try to give your significant other about that car? I'm sorry, deer. but a whole group of deer Got just ran deer. into my car. The it was like a zombie young, hitchhiker. It was like a huge like, suicide pack with Rudolph I don't know the entire reindeer game. I don't know what the hell happened. I know it's the middle of Maine, but a water buffalo just now, came out of nowhere. Here's the puppet head, <laughs> which is, I think, one of the coolest sculptures that's so underplayed. Yeah, They, they actually called this thing the Admiral Akbar. Thank you, me. the way it sounds. <laughs> it's a trap, bitch. It's a trap. <laughs> Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. 
Oh, I this is so disgusting. Please, I can feel it. Nishi! Uh, Nishi, come on, make me feel like a woman. Not the hickey I want. He's no, thanking that, her for the ride, all right. Oh. <laughs> and she was home free. She was like right there. Oh! You see that? Now it's reality. <laughs> that was all a fucking mind trick, dude. No, no, that the was that was just a fast forward, Jesse. Now it's the uh, husband pulling up. Yeah. Let me dream, James. Stop ruining my <laughs> Let me dream. <laughs> Come on, James. Okay, but don't that's, mess it up. But it's still not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Will You're I ever not dream wrong, again? But let me dream. Will Honey, I over. Honey, yeah. what did you do to my car? Honey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ooh. Jesus Christ, lady. Over? I told you to go out to get some fun, but that's where he was ridiculous. going. That's where the hitchhiker oh. was going. Mitch Cunningham. But the, the husband lives. You'd think, you know, maybe you could have ended that with the door shutting with the husband in there and him looking around in the foggy place like, huh? And then finally, Oh, he's stuck the there. And then Ad- Admiral Akbar pops back up yeah. like, the rebels have attacked! <laughs> Dude, I, I'm really surprised no one's commented that his chin looks like a giant ball sack. It does. Like a pig oh, ripping. His nose is the dick. Like super <laughs> big time. Yes. Knows. Well, sorry. he I had to he, he is a Bolchenian. He's a Bolchenian. <laughs> Bolchenian. Yes, I have a property. Alex, you have my heart. I love I, that culture. I, the Bolchenians. I, I, I take the your heart people. and I keep it in a drawer on my shelf forever. Brutal. Hit him in the chin. That evil <laughs> smile, man. Uh oh. The bullies are ready for round two. Jacqueline Danzig is pissed. Uh oh. (laughs) Venus flytraps. Feed me, Seymour. (laughs) Feed (laughs) me, (laughs) Seymour. (laughs) Yeah, man. That boy sure looks like plant food to me. (laughs) To me, green mother from outer space. I'm mean and green. Just a mean green mother from outer space. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's what's up. Actually, I don't know. Are those Venus flytraps, or is that like yeah. more like yeah. the sandworm? No, field? they're like Venus flytraps. It's supposed to be because that's where he gets. I used to, to have Venus flytraps when I was younger. That's where he gets at the post office. Is the 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 seeds for the Venus flytrap? Oh, okay. Like those were one of the few animals I could ever keep alive. The Venus. But a Venus flytrap? Well, it's not an animal at all. It is a plant. <laughs> it's a plant. <laughs> oh, actually, it can only open and close its mouth x the number amount of times or whatever, and then it dies. It's all right, Bill. I call cars animals as well, so well, we're all in the same boat, though. Well, I will point yeah. out that they are both living organisms, so you had that going for you. But you know, this kid's fucking evil. He's been pushed to that place. You started out a good it's guy. vengeance. It's, Another it's, lesson to learn. It's the school shooter allegory. Before there were school shooters, man. He just used Venus oh. fly traps. You're a fool, Ed Hardy. Cancel Venus fly traps. Columbine warning. <laughs> it's official. Now we're back in real time. Up, oh, hey, back to Savini. He's our buddy again. Oh, he, he just being all theatrical. He's being the Ripper without being the Ripper. He didn't do I effects on this at all. To be him. Savini, no, he, he had he had, he had nothing to, to do with the makeup effects at all. Right? No, he just acted. He just uh, it, it was this was all came. This was all came. Be that did the effects and. 
trying to remember who sculpted I think Howard Burgerman sculpted. Well, Savini. It. it was probably like I need a break. <laughs> even the first, even the first Creep Show, it wasn't all Savini anyway, and he had a cameo on that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah as the Trash Man. Yeah. Where he threw the copy of Creep Show and said, "This looks stupid." Yeah. <laughs> they said Schwarzenegger was rumored to be the the chief woodenhead. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, had a very fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? That would have been amazing. Like, 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 fucking, like, Terminator Conan error Arnold's coming up as fucking Chief Woodenhead. That'd be fucking awesome. Oh, have you guys seen Prey yet? Dude, oh, no, not oh yet. my god, it was so good. It was so good. Oh yeah, everybody needs to go see that. Everybody needs to get Hulu and see Prey. Holy yeah. shit! I, watch, I was blown away by it last night. Best Predator movie it. since the first one. Yeah. No, Tom Savini was just a makeup consultant. Yeah, but that's probably like George Romero just put a title on it to give him a check. Yeah, I don't think he actually well, did. Actually, the, the, the story behind the makeup effects, the, the, the initial head was Ed French. And KMB. He left. And he left. And yeah. KMB basically was there. And um, they picked up the slack, and there was. You know, you know, the, the, I mean, and they, they did an amazing job. It was really the first time those guys came together to really kind of work, at, you know, and their next project shortly after this was actually Intruder, which was um, another uh, K&B. And then or shortly after that, around that era, that was kind of, they were really taken off. And I want to say, like, you think of like Army of Darkness. I mean, they were that was their prime, yeah. you know, especially in their early days. It was like an early prime, yeah. but even looking at stuff like Bride of Reanimator, you know, uh, you know, other amazing effects. Oh, and, yeah, and that, we're collaborating with other makeup effects artists like Screaming Mad George, you know, on those films. So it's just amazing what these guys were able to come up with, uh, you know, Kay, you know, Nicotero uh, and uh, yeah, Cam. Dude, and, the, stuff, know, the stuff that these guys were attached to, it's just... I mean, this was the beginning of it. Like, obviously, like Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero, separate of each other. Yeah, it, amazing stuff before Creepshow. And Robert Kurtzman, sorry, and Robert sorry. Kurtzman, yeah, yeah. But they they did amazing stuff before Creepshow too, right? Mm-hmm. Their hands were in like Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead. Right. Like they were they were doing great shit. But yeah, this was yeah. the first time that they came together as a force, as their own team. Of oh, this film yeah. was, yeah, there you go. I believe so. You know, Bob Balaban almost directed this from films like My Boyfriend's Back. My boy, that Paris. classic. And Adam Marcus, right? Those are the only two horror things he had. So uh, he did bigger, like, Hollywood dramatic films. But he My almost Boyfriend's started. Back. Originally yeah. to be named Johnny Zombie. Yes. I appreciate classic. My Boyfriend's Back. I like it. I like it. I think I, I grew don't up think on it, that movie. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I don't think it gets weird. enough credit for. <laughs> what it was at the time because at the time zombie movies were definitely not all the rage. Yeah. So and it was Disney too if memory serves correct. It might have been Touchstone. It was Touchstone. Yeah, they touch didn't enough. label it Disney. It was Touchstone. No. Close enough yeah. though. It was yeah. like the earnest branch of, of, of Touchstone. Yeah. You guys remember so, Ed, uh, Ed and his dead mother? Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That's movie. a good time. I completely I forgot that. the mother was Mary Margulies. Completely yeah. forgot. My dude, right there. Mm-hmm. 
Love that movie. And yeah. I just realized the other day, well, who was the very first zombie I ever saw growing up? And it was Bernie Lomax. And we can have Bernie's part two. Yeah, right. I ever saw a zombie. Very much more. And and a very traditional concept of the zombie. Yes. Where it was rooted in voodoo, not yeah. the dead coming back to life and eating people. Yeah. Dang, man. My, more first... serpent in the rainbow than night of the living dead. You know You're right. I mean, yeah, it was. Totally. The first zombie I ever seen is probably in the thriller video. What about you guys? That's a good question, Bill. The first zombie you guys think you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Mine was either like the thriller or it was Night of the Living Dead. I am not entirely sure. It's a little fuzzy because when I was a kid back in 1982 mm-hmm. and I was a year and a half old, um, my parents, not thinking straight, made me, sat me down in the living room to watch the thriller video. And when Michael Jackson transformed into that werecat, yeah. I absolutely lost my shit, and I could not watch the Thriller video again until I was, like, 14. <laughs> so, it was straight-up traumatizing. Like, like I could not watch it. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. So, I, I gotta say that my first zombie was a Romero zombie. I'm not sure if it was Night, Day, or Dead, uh, or Dawn, but it was one of the three. Yeah. Um, it's one of them, but it was at a very young age. It was like two when I first saw one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the black and white one. I was super young, like maybe five, maybe younger. I don't know. My mom was a horror fanatic. So. Word up. I can say with total conviction of the three Romero films, I think Day is probably my favorite. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I know people celebrate Dawn. I know people love the classic, uh, the original, but to me, as George Romero would say, I'm one of those trolls that just relish. Um, ah, since we're all right, I'm glad we're getting into a George Romero talk now. Since we're doing Creep Show too, and it, not just going outside of like just being a king thing. <laughs> My favorite George Romero film is not a is not a zombie movie. Me neither. Is it a Dracula ah, vampire movie? Martin, baby. I have a feeling it would be. Yeah. And Ambulance was a very underrated character, a very underrated actor. I think he's very good at what he does. And I think he could have gone on to a much bigger career if he mm-hmm. wanted to. But it was a wonderful, I don't want to say niche, but it is a niche that he found with Romero because it really showed him the wonderful range of an actor that he is. Yeah. But I would have loved, he was one of the sweetheart of a guy to meet. Oh, yeah. He got me off cigarettes for two weeks, then I got back on. got <laughs> <laughs> you off cigarettes. No, Martin, man. Know. Martin, holy shit. That movie is so good. Yeah, I mean, he he should. I know, I'm sure he's appreciative of the time with Romero. You got to kind of look at it like, uh, you know, if he only did one movie with Romero, he could have just done all that, just that one movie period. So even though everything he did with George, it's not a bad thing, Billy. It's a good thing, Bell Boy. It is. I, and I was just talking the other day about the famous colonoscopy um, <laughs> of, uh, of Fred Rogers that was actually filmed by George Romero. <laughs> Gotta get a pro for that, you know. Because why the fuck not? Why wouldn't no, you? I mean, it was for, like, medical purposes, you know. I mean, it was for schools, and, you know, I, so it's just, I mean, Romero was just, you know, a great filmmaker. He knew what had to be done. And, sure. you know, he knew how to tell a story. We were, I mean, it's not like we were, you know, he was fighting Donald Pleasance or anything like in another <laughs> movie. Um, but, 
I feel you on that. I feel you on that for real. Not in your brain for my heart. I feel that in my heart. The, the 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 movie that was Inner Space that was made back in the fucking sixties. Yeah, hell yeah. It was the, the Calgon. It was uh, it was something that was it looked like that. It was called the Calgon Tale, and it was a commercial that Romero actually directed. He directed a lot of commercials. You know? Yeah, that was his original thing. That's how he. That's how he made his cheddar cheese. For the most part, yeah, because Hollywood wasn't giving him no time of day except for the, like you know day <laughs> creep show one and two, and then well, that was about it. Yeah, because he was a real of the DIY, and that's what I loved about him. And that's I have way more appreciation for people of the DIY and some of the Hollywood stuff because they have to figure it out for themselves. I mean, I still highly regard Don Doler as you know one of my favorite filmmakers because he did the same thing. He was just in Baltimore. Romero was in Pittsburgh. You know, these were these regional filmmakers that just, you know, wanted to make art and wanted to just make stuff for an audience. And whether if it was exploitation or just whatever form of entertainment. And it was amazing what these people were able to do with these limited resources that they had, the things that they were able to pull off. And well, I, I like the way you just said that, Bill, because you were like for the audience. And I think that indie filmmakers, like I always tell people like, you know, I write for myself. I direct for my audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really feel like indie filmmakers, for the most part, there are, there are those guys that just do whatever the hell they want, no matter what. But I really think like indie filmmakers are way more conscious of what the audience actually wants to see and delivering what the audience actually wants to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of uh, indie filmmakers and and all of that. I mean, the reason that you become an indie filmmaker is because you're a fan yourself, and yeah. being a fan yourself, you kind of have a more of a um, a love and more of a reverence for what you're making. I so, agree. I mean, well, in essence, like you start, like you said, writing a story for yourself. But you also know, as a fan, what does a fan want to see? Yeah. And and you talk to your friends who are also fans, and they tell you what they want to see. And then you use that, coincide with the script you want to tell, the story you want to tell. And then you can uh, mold it so it does both. It uh, It exercises your demons and gets them out there. And also it, uh, you know, it touches more people. I mean, that's... The biggest problem about Hollywood now is that it's all about, hmm, how can I make a billion dollars instead of this make an actually good story that the fans want to see? I mean, you look at you. I I can't remember the last time I watched a big Hollywood production that didn't follow like one of three very specific story arcs. You know what I mean? Like you take a superhero movie. You got a good guy, a bad guy shows up, gives that good guy a problem, the good guy beats the bad guy, movie's over. Yeah. No matter what the nuance is in there, whatever fan service you're putting into those superhero movies, that's the that's the good running arc. Or if it's like a romantic comedy, or even a comedy for that matter, because most comedies these days, quote unquote, are rom coms. Yeah. You know, guy meets girl, girl meets girl, guy meets guy, whatever your scenario is, then like you know, they they fall in love and then they had, don't they fall out of love? Then they fall back in love. Like that's that's it. 
one of these three scenarios, you know, and then there's another one in there that, you know, I just don't want to drag on about it. But that's that's it. That's what we get out of Hollywood now. And like the typical horror movie in there in, in, in Hollywood these days is just bleak, bleak, super bleak. Everything has to be fucking bleak and miserable, bleak and miserable from beginning to end. Like there's no fun in it anymore. And in, in the Hollywood stuff. Two people who I also remembered, Bill Rabang out of Wisconsin, who was another uh, filmmaker from the 70s. He did like the giant spider invasion and um, stuff in that fold. And William Grief, or G-E-E-F-E, out of Florida. And he had people like William Shatner. I mean, but just these real DIY filmmakers. And I've always had more appreciation for them. They just don't get the opportunities. And when they can pull it together, it's amazing because they just have one objective. They just want to make something for the audience. And I hate when a producer comes in to say, I absolutely know nothing about the genre. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that I can come to the table. And I've met producers like that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. But, you know, you need to be willing because you're taking a gamble. Because you're doing it yourself as DIY filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I can't... I can't picture working on a horror film, something that's because horror really, it has such a deep, like, 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 we're like eight fucking errors into something that's reached out into so many subgenres and so many different It has so many residents to it. It, it. it really does. And like, there's uh. such a foundation there to like, to like work with someone that's like an absolute 100% greenhorn to the genre. I don't know. I don't know how that would work at this point. Like, you, you, like, like you were talking about earlier, Billy, with like creative shorthand. When you develop creative shorthand with people, things just flow. I can just like look at my DP Paul and be like, "This, this, this." And I'll say like, and I'll say four words, and he'll know what I'm talking about. Exactly. You just you develop that relationship yeah. where he just knows what you're thinking, so, and that's what's great when you work with people that you feel comfortable yeah. with. You can gain their trust because. That's where that family component comes into yeah. it, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah but the other side. Where, yeah. where we see it, you know, as yeah. these, you know, indie DIYs ourselves. Yeah, but you, but the other side of that, coming in, bringing somebody in on such a high level, like a producer or something like that, that really doesn't know the genre, and you have to stop every, like, sentence and be like, well, this is why we're doing this, or this is why we're doing that. <clears throat> I, I don't want to take that kind of punishment onto myself as a director yeah and that's I, understandable you know, completely yeah i would rather work with people who know the genre i really do and it's, actors it's, are different actors are different yeah, i don't yeah. i don't actors cannot know the genre all they want i just need them to know what, what the fuck i want them to do when i have point the camera at them what does this word mean what exactly. does this say how am uh, i supposed to act <laughs> but alex i would still rather walk someone through all that shit yeah. Then walk somebody who doesn't know horror through why a horror movie is going, making the choices it's making. Because when you start questioning suspension of disbelief, then, you know, your producer, it's just, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. 
there's 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 a line between making something believable and realistic and making something entertaining. Exactly. And nine times out nine times out of ten, I'm going to choose to make something entertaining mm-hmm. over believable and realistic, quote unquote, because we're working in fiction anyway. We're working in we're in the fantasy business. Exactly. In, you know, we hit the nail on the head. We work. Yeah. We work in fiction. Yeah, we work in fiction. Everyone knows it's a work of fiction. Once you get that out of your head where you have to make this like hyper real, super scary thing and you get that out of your head and go, okay, well, let's just make this entertaining. It opens up your concepts of what you, what you're trying to capture in the frame a hell of a lot more than just this rigid tunnel vision of this one thing. I don't know. That's just my two cents on that. I have to say, this is my second favorite. This has to be my second favorite recording that I've done with you guys. The first was the pilot, and I love this movie so much. This you guys made it even a hundred times more enjoyable. Well, we try. We we always try, though. That's the job, man. The beginning and the end. The book ends for Bill Coin. Do what I can. I'm glad he went out. We came in, went out on top. <laughs> went out on top? What the hell am I missing here? Fuck <laughs> him, Billy. Layers. I was waiting for Billy to react. Smoking a cigarette. Billy's going out big. I was like, where's Billy going? <laughs> Billy's going home. He's, He's going to the great special the effects uh, up in the sky. Uh, so what, what, you going back we, to your planet? <laughs> before we wrap it on up, uh, what do you guys think about in closing Creep Show 2? Well, I gotta say, my person, I mean, I enjoy Creep Show 2. I do prefer Creep Show 1. Mm. Personally, I do like that one better. Yeah. Um, uh, Have you because- seen Creep Show 3 yet? Not yet. No. Maybe that'll be your favorite, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh- <laughs> I do, I do love the raft in Creep Show too. I do think that is the best out of all three. Um, but I do, I do like Creep Show one a, a bit more. But uh, I, I do think the raft in this one is definitely the scariest, the most gruesome by far, Ooh. and the most uh, nerve wracking of of the uh, the uh, segments in this. I'm with that. Who wants to go next? Um, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really love it. Like, I love the cartoon aspect. It keeps me, like, intrigued. Because I'm like, oh, is there more cartoons? In a way. <laughs> way more cartoony than the first one. So yeah. you're in the animation. Like, I do love the first one. Don't get me wrong. I have not seen the third one. That's but bad news. I, don't. Is it bad? <laughs> But no, I, I fully enjoyed this one for sure. Especially like seeing Stephen King always makes me happy. Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horrors is better than Creep Show Three. I love that movie. Which one? What do you love, Bill? Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. It's good. that's good. That one's actually fun. It is. Yeah, it is fun. It's no Tales from the Hood, but it's fun. I love Tales from the Hood. It's the sequels to get to stay away from. Oh God, yeah. I'm like the plague. That's true. That's true. James, what do you think? Ah, uh, you know, Creepshow too. Like, I feel like it's like we were saying. It's got like a more of a homegrown fan base than Creepshow one. I feel like people of a certain age, like particularly our age, old people, 
Um, <laughs> Revere Creepshow one because it was the original and it, it just I agree with Alex. It does. It does overall. It hits better than Creepshow two, in my opinion. Mm. Although the you know there's a standout here and there that you know things I but I mean it's still a great movie. You know what I mean? Even if it, like I say I prefer Creepshow one, Alex says he prefers Creepshow one. It I do prefer Creepshow one, but it, this is still a really good film. You know, it's probably the most detached from actually being a Stephen King film. Mm-hmm. than anything else on our hit list because he really didn't have much to do with the production besides hopping in for his awesome, awesome cameo. He did the story, uh, supposedly, too. No, he wrote the outline of the story. <clears throat> he wrote he wrote the stuff that would become Creepshow 2 for Creepshow 1. Okay. And he just told George, like, make a screenplay out of that. Good luck. And that's that's pretty much all of his involvement. It's still Stephen King stories. I mean, you yeah. know, Stephen King's wasn't the DNA, raft in there, yeah. The raft was a short story that he had written I many wrote, moons, yeah. yeah, many moons prior. But is I mean, all in all, it's a great film. It's definitely one of the better, uh, especially of the eighties, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, I still prefer Creepshow one. Because I'm an old man and I'm stuck in my ways. <laughs> I agree. We're not going to do Creep Show three either. <laughs> Bill, oh God, got... that's that's for the best. No, he's got nothing <laughs> to do with that. Billy, I'll watch on my own time. Not even. Do yourself a no. favor and not watch it. Okay. Yeah. I'll just stick with Tales from the Crypt. That's fine. Yes. Hell yeah. The worst Tales from the Crypt movie is uh, Tribal, I think, or Tribe or something like that, and that's better than. Uh, Part three. I love Bardello Blood. Bardello's classic. Part three of Creepshow is so fucking bad. It's like, it's like I remember like at the like it was right around the time that I was like hoping to be a filmmaker, and I was just like disgusted with it. Like this is what they did, you know? Fucking give it to someone. Anybody else could have done a better job than this. <laughs> it was super low budget, like more low budget than it should have been. <sighs> like with with what it was. They should have had a little more money to fuck with to do it. Um, I think they did that whole weird Amityville fucking route or something. They were able to take a good franchise and like turn it and fucking bastardize it for like uh, whatever. But I don't know. Maybe it was somebody that produced one of the original creep shows that was a producer. I know George Romero and Stephen King were like had nothing to do with it. Maybe they had a production assistant from the first movie that produced the third one. Um, the, the one guy. Yeah, the one Romero film I just realized that has eluded me that I still need to check out is Diary of the Dead. Oh, I was it's gonna make fun earlier and say that was my favorite dead movie. Yeah, it was really good. And I heard it was good. I just I need to check it out for myself. It was like first person. Yeah, it was good. If yeah, if you like that, I guess I wasn't a big fan. After I, Land I, of the. After Land of the Dead, I kind of got out of those. You know, I love, love George the day he died, but I think Land of the Dead was like the last real Romero. Some people even argue that that's even that they like Land, but I liked Land of the Dead. Oh, I thought Land was fantastic. I, I love Land. Yo, with uh, was it? Ah, oh, shit! I just lost Let, his name. He played Luke. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, no, no. John Luke John Luke Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopper's in there though. Respect. Yes. 
And I even loved uh, Phil Fondacaro in there as Chihuahua because I'm, I'm, I'm a, what can I say? It's Troll. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to watch that movie oh. after we're done. No, Land, Land was probably the best thing to come out from George in a while at the time, for sure. And I think like it was definitely dripping with what George did with the Dead yeah. series. It had the social yeah. commentary... Even more so, like it was definitely like a a riff on classes, class system, and the caste system that we live under, and nobody realizes, you know. I feel yeah. Um, Land was the last one that, like, cause at that point, he was doing them every ten years or whatever his deal was, and then they just started making them for money, like with Diary of the Dead, and there was another one, Document of the Dead, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe Diary of the Dead was all right, and Document of the Dead is the one that I was shitting on. I, I, Document of the I, Dead was the um, Roy Frumkus documentary for, for the making no, no, no. of well, that, um, Dawn. What is the movie? There's, there's Diary of the Dead and there's Document or something of the dead. Wait, that, I have his movie list pulled up. And I know that, that George directed, and I know about the doc that you're talking about by Frumkus. I own it. Um, it could be Doc of the Dead. Oh, Survival of the Dead? Survival of the Dead. That's it. That's that it. Is. Yeah, I that think looks it, terrible. That was bad it, news. It is. That was that was not good. Like that just looks like bad CGI. Like uh, <laughs> that is bad CGI. <laughs> and the makeup is just half-assed. Like I could do that yeah. better on like a bad day. I remember when Land of the Dead came out. Uh, George Romero was at Rock and Shock that year, and yeah. I know they they, they showed okay. the uncut version of it that he introduced upstairs. And I remember I had a buddy that I just came back from the good old Iraqi War that. Uh, one of the moments of his life is we were standing in the back and George came through and he was wearing that Friday the 13th shirt where it says like born in hell or whatever on the back. And it says mask on the front. Yeah. And George, George Romero came by and grabbed my buddy's shoulders and shook him and went bored in hell. And then he like walked up to the front and did like the, op- did the opening to it. And I always thought that was great. You know, that's a great memory I have of it, but yeah, land of the dead, I think is the last official Romero zombie movie. I just remembered I had an interaction with George. Um, you beat him up. I remember uh, I had to pull you off him once. Rude. Very yeah, brass knuckles. I was, I was there. Very upset with you that night, Bill, when you did that. Yeah. You no, your he, shirt off, right? He, 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 just, he just pulled into people that, that weekend at Rock and Chalk. I was outside. I was actually with Sarah Netter and Joe French, and we were actually talking. And, um, um, uh, a limo actually pulled up and some guy was getting out going into the hotel and it was George and he just looked really tired. And I said to Sarah and I said to Netter, I said, you think I should say hi? And he was like, you know, it's long day. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna. But the next day I actually, when I did meet him, you know, I just said, you know, big fan sitting next to him was Michael Felsher. And I even surprised him and I said, red shirt pictures rules. Just kind of had a like, you know, one of those funny things, but Romero was very gracious with this time. He was a real nice guy. I met, I actually met him, met him, like got the autograph and met him type deal a couple of years, maybe a year or two before he passed. And I remember it was kind of, you could tell there was something up, but I remember when I went to his booth, he apologized because he couldn't do stay scared anymore. He just had to do George Romero. You know, it was kind of like, it's kind of a sad thing. I was like, just, I was, you know, no worry, big appreciative just to get it. I don't give no hard times, man. I gave him big praise and told him it was all cool in the hood. But yeah, I remember that I had that little memory of him being like apologizing for it. And it's like, dude, just being here is fucking legend. Just meeting you is fucking 
like one of those highlights of life, you know what I mean? Uh, very cool. Very cool, dude. But yeah, Creepshow 2, you know, a big fan. Like I said before, I think the, t- the fact that it was on TV was big for it. You'd see this more than the first one. This was kind of, you know, there's a few movies that you would always see on TV. The USA Network was just showing them back when they used to do I remember they used to do like Friday the 13th marathons back in the day. Um, but yeah, Creepshow 2 is good stuff, man. I like it. I think I think it's just as good as the second one. I think it's more campier, though, of course. Um not so creepy. It has creepy elements, but it's more of just like having fun. You know what I mean? Bill, did you tell, did you give your final? My, yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, you know, this episode. If you already did it, you don't have to do it again. I don't want to put you to work. (laughs) But if you didn't, feel free. Yeah, no, but real quick, I'm just going to say, I have a tremendous affection for this movie. Um, always have. I actually saw this before I saw the first one. Um, so I think that's why I probably just feel that I think I prefer the second one over the first one, even though I do love the first one very much. So I think it's an amazing movie, amazing cast. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, just being here doing this with you guys, you know, just makes this film, you know, so much more fun. So whenever I think of this movie, you know, I'm going to be thinking of this. I mean, this was a blast. And, um, you know, to me, this is one of those movies I think that works with a group participation. And I just really haven't had a group participation like this with a movie I actually fucking love. It's it's, It's just a great sensation. That's what this movie does. It makes you feel good. Absolutely. Heck yeah. You know. You know, the one and two have that Evil Dead type vibe, where Evil Dead one's kind of a straight horror, and the second one's more comedy. But Army of Darkness is way better than Creepshow three. <laughs> God damn, man! I think I think they still they still should have went with the Medieval Dead because I love that title. Not too late. Medieval Dead. Yeah. I just finally got the game, so I'll be I'll be. Oh, how that. is it? I am play. I won't be playing that for a couple of years, but I got the game at least. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? so I'm hoping that it's good. <laughs> you know, oh, it's it fantastic! Yeah, yeah, he, he he'll end up playing it when he finally retires. I still um, got um, what's that? Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. I still got to open that up and play that from like 20 years ago when that was the big deal. Oh no, uh, Evil Dead the game, dude! It's everything an Evil Dead fan could hope for. It's Word. awesome! It's awesome! And they just added uh, Castle Kandar an army of darkness map to it. So oh, very cool. Better. Now it's got the Ash vs. evil dead map. It's got the evil dead one and two map and it's got an army of darkness map. So that's dope. It's cool. I just want to see what the inside of the cabin looks like. Um, it's the Nobi cabin. So they went with the evil. Yeah, dead the Nobi cabin. Design. It looks spot on with the Nobi cabin from the movie. That's, it's the uh, set. It's I wouldn't play it, but I want to watch someone play it because I'm a stickler. Because that's one of my favorite sets of all fucking time. It's all there, bro. It's all there. Everything. Henrietta's even punching up from the the awesome. basement yeah, thing, cool. and the the occasion you can set traps. Like if you're playing as a Kandarian demon, you set traps. You can set a trap on all the animal heads and everything, so that they do the freak out and all that stuff. It's 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 really really accurate. It's almost, I would say it's almost as accurate as the Friday the 13th game. 
Well, I want to see someone play that because I, I mean, I, I'm just not a gamer, but I love watching people play. Oh, there's tons I, of streams like out YouTube. there. Dude. Yeah, you can watch yeah. YouTube. Hmm. There's tons of streams out there for both games. Yeah. Um, and they're a blast. I mean, I am a gamer. Um, big time, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, no, both games. I've played both games extensively, and they're both a fucking ball. They're they're a lot of fun. And for the fans of the series, yeah, there's huge amount of Easter eggs. Huge amount of Easter eggs. It's awesome. That's awesome. There's a, there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game coming too. Oh right? hell yeah, there is, and I'm I, so I, excited. Didn't didn't, well, didn't Kane Hodder do the motion capture? For he Leatherface? did. He he That's did so the mocap for Friday the Thirteenth. He did some mocap for Evil Dead, and he's doing the Leatherface mocap for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah, Billy. Do you have a return to Salem's Lot? Do you own that movie? I don't. Right, um, I don't own it either. You know what? Give me what, what, what day is today? Uh, uh, Saturday. Th- Thursday. On Thursday? Yeah. I'll order a copy. If you want to, you don't have to. But if, you, if you're going to order it, then, ladies and gentlemen, that'll be our next film. If Bill does not want to order it, then we go into the running band. I'm going to order it as much as I don't want to because I do love Larry Cohen. But it's going to be the second time watch, and that's all I need. And if Cohen, we had an out. <laughs> we did. We had an out. I gave you the escaped. opportunity. We no. could have escaped it. You could have said no. I am not. I am not going to deny you that. <laughs> oh, fuck, You're man. going to hear a grown man cry. You're it right now. James I, will that's be... why I secretly am the sadist. Oh, this movie. You are <laughs> Pinhead, dude. This movie. The poophead, I know. No, Pinhead. You're oh. Pinhead, you evil fuck. Oh, God. Go no. Well, I'm also a pinhead and a poophead. Depends on who you ask. I might just be being dramatic, but that is hands down the worst fucking movie we're ever going to watch on this show. Oh my god! I've never seen it. Yeah. We we all need we all need um, what is it called uh, to mutate? Um, we all need a control, and this is going to be the control. And if we survive this, and we're stronger than we actually thought we were. Well, you know, as far as riff track shows go, this is, prob- this is probably going to be the closest we ever get to MST3K. Yeah, it'll be a total riff tracks. Like, yeah, dude, I'm just going to rip this movie to fucking shreds. I think we are going to rip this movie to shreds. I think this is, since we're still recording, here's a preemptive warning for everyone. We will be dragging that one across the coals, and we'll be doing it with love and affection. No, no love, no affection. Pure hate. <laughs> Pure <laughs> hatred. Love for Larry Cohen, but lots of questions as to why he agreed to it. That's all. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, um, we are going to do it. Good, bad, or indifferent. Well, you heard it here, folks. The return to Salem's Lot next episode of The Dead Kids of Derry. If you enjoyed this show, listen to more. We got we're up to what? We got like almost 15 episodes or so now. 40 million. Like, there's a bunch. 40 million episodes. There's a bunch. They fly by so quick you don't even realize those million. 30 million at least. The So yeah, hell yeah. You know? Fuck yeah. So we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of the Dead Kids of Derry. Yeah. All the dead kids. I'm Nancy Walker. We're all the dead kids.